Hey everyone, it's Matt and Lucas. We got a quick announcement for you. As some of you may have noticed, we've been kind of alluding to revamping the website a little bit um, and adding some new content on there. Super excited to announce as of this episode, we are officially live with the website. Go check it out. Thanks for playing .live. We got a lot of exciting written content on there from everything covering from, you know, our reviews like on Hogwarts Legacy, some think pieces, some reviews on games we're not even going to do for the podcast, but exclusive to the website like uh, Destiny 2's Lightfall and a lot of other great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's very exciting. You know, uh, it's been a lot of work basically this year. Matt and I made it a big goal for the podcast to actually have more written content out there. Um, you know, for those of you who've been listening for a while, we've always been in growth mode, you know, trying to promote the yes. pod, trying to get our voices out there. And thanks for playing Dot .live. Um, we're looking to turn into a real content-driven website with, one, all of our regular reviews that we do. So you could always check there for basically the written version of every review we do for this podcast. But additional reviews that we don't have time for for the podcast that are covered by a wide variety of our contributors. Um, Hot Mickey, as you know, a contributor uh, Chambers, who's been on this, um, producer Sam, um, Hyalette, Orion, a uh, lot of great people, including some new voices who maybe you guys haven't heard of before. So check out Thanks for Playing Live for the latest and greatest in video game, nerd culture, movie, TV content, and we hope to see you there. Now for the episode. Hey everyone, it's Matt. And this is Lucas. And this is Thanks for Playing. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the world has to offer. Oh! Woo! I'm excited. I haven't I haven't been on a topic episode in a hot minute, actually. Um, it's been a hot minute. Uh, Two almost months? Has hot Mickey. <laughs> it's been about a month and a half, maybe. It's been a while. Because we should yeah. do one of the last time. We do one a month, and then Mickey and I did one solo, and then there was another thing that Matt was gone for. We've been saying that a Yeah, lot. you guys did a solo <laughs> one, and then um, it was you two and Chambers, I think, or Highlight. I think we did one. Yeah, yeah. That's, I think that's right. Yeah. Well, hey, yeah, glad you're on, man. I hope you come with some uh, some hot topics here before we get to our interview at the very end with uh, with Connor. Yeah, so everyone, uh, if you're just tuning in now, make sure you stick around to the end of the episode. We've got a really cool interview with uh, Connor Hume, one of the podcast contributors, currently training to be a lawyer, and we had a really interesting conversation around uh, violence and video games and really what can or can't be you know shown in a game um and you know there what were could be, actually what could some, be regulated what could be regulated and there you know it was yeah. actually a pretty fascinating conversation and pretty surprising you know just to find out <laughs> kind of what does and doesn't cross the line as far as that stuff goes so definitely stay tuned for that um it'll be dope but before we get into it i gotta say you know hbo is kind of crushing it lately the uh <laughs> the, the h rebranding to max is kind of whack but i don't yeah, I didn't get that. I don't yeah, get that. I don't get it. I don't, I'm not going to get into that right now. Um, but them doing, I mean, they have secession right now. They're actually going to be starting, uh, or Barry just started New, last yeah, night Barry as well. And I know you're not in on that show yet, Lucas, but that is a really, really fucking good show as well. I put it right up there with um, secession from myself, at least honestly. Wow. So I've that's what that I've been too. watching lately. Uh, Netflix beef. I am not done with that yet, but I've been loving it. That show is so good. Dude. Uh, oh, man. I After the... I'm not done. We've got to talk about it a bit more. What I'm episode on, are you on? I think it's seven or six. 
Okay, okay. Um, you're you're getting you're getting deep into it. That yeah, is yeah. a phenomenal, phenomenal show. Yeah, it's great. But um yeah, Hot Mickey, what have you been watching lately? Uh I've pretty much only just been watching like the winter anime and now spring anime that just released. I'm really hyped on Doctor Stone that's airing this season. Mm-hmm. The continuation oh, nice. of that. Doctor Stone is so sick. And then it, the new anime I'm really looking forward to this season is uh uh hell's paradise or just mm-hmm. like about a bunch of convicts going to like this undiscovered new world that apparently has like the elixir of life to give you immortality but the sh- like but it's super dangerous like anyone they've sent to this island comes back dead and like growing flowers out of them and so they sang a bunch um. of convicts to see hey if one of you guys can come back with the elixir i'll we'll pardon you you know that wow. sounds a little concept. bit like the plot of Annihilation. Um, I don't know that film. Actually, I lied. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I was going to say, does it? I it didn't doesn't. even think I take it that did. back. Yeah. <laughs> Mickey, and you're also watching uh, The Angels. Yes, I am watching The Angels. How are The Angels doing? Oh, God. Our, our bullpen is terrible. It, it it's, it's so bad. Like, <laughs> when you say the bullpen, do you mean like the other players or like no, the pitchers? The, uh, bullpen refers to the relief pitchers after the starting pitchers because our starting rotation is actually pretty solid. Like they usually get us off to a so, great lead. Like your then, depth chart is, yes. is shit, basically. Your depth. Yeah. The, the, you know, depth, that's pitching pitchers. Pit, pitching depth is bad on the Angels. Interesting enough, that's the same issue that in the World Cup the U.S. team had. We would play really well usually for like the first 60 to 70 minutes, but like. I know you watched Luke's, but if you got if anyone watched the final game against the Netherlands, like our players were basically like limping at the end, but gotta forced have to depth, play. man. Yeah, teams got to have depth. Um, yeah, dude. Ah, and then I I just saw that. a tweet today that Otani is trying to pick up lefty for some batters. He's like, like what? Say it again. Lefty? He's, 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 tr- he's oh he's, he's trying to throw lefty as a pitcher. He's he's getting a glove uh, made so he could switch his that's, hand. Has that what do you been, think? Has that been that's done cap, before? right? That's just ridiculous. Dude. There have been there are ambidextrous baseball players, but they're usually more effective on one side versus the other. And I think the rule is that you have to pick one side versus the other. You can't just switch in the middle. I, I don't think you can switch at least as the, a hitter. I, I don't think you can switch in the middle of a batter, but in between batters, I think you can switch. Oh, geez. But uh, okay. But but uh, a friend of mine told me uh, that Japanese players, like Japanese culture in general, they're really big into balance. So like they try to not have like one side of their body may, uh, be majorly above the other side. So like they will practice both ends. Like you, Darvish, a, a pitcher who's also been in the MLB for years and years, also practice uh, throws lefty a lot just like just to keep his body balanced. So Crazy. it makes sense for like, Atani to be able to do the same thing, but if he actually pulls it off, it'd be insane. <laughs> that would be just an, another layer, like another notch up for Otani to be considered the goat, which he basically already is. He, he's but he's fucking insane. He's a literal dang. machine of a human being. I don't get it how he's just and he's hot. It's not fair. And he's and he's hot on top of he all of it, man. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, he's all got right. more money than us. He's taller than us. He's hotter than us. And he still watches anime at the same yeah. time. So it's Dude, kind he, of, he, he, just, one of his walkout songs was to fucking Jujutsu Kaisen Paradise. God, it was yeah. That is cool. Just a hot dude. He's just cooler than us. So cool. Gotta get over it. All right, we got some fun topics today. I think. I'm gonna go ahead and jump into this one. I have one quick one, and then one 
larger one to talk about. Not really larger, but first off, they announced Harry Potter Quidditch Champions, which... Today? Um, they did, today, which is going to be a sports simulation game of Quidditch um, for... Harry Potter Quidditch. So I'm I'm excited about that. Uh, you know, I think a big gripe for everyone was with Hogwarts Legacy was there being no Quidditch, to which I say go back and play Harry Potter Quidditch World don't Cup play, from don't the play PlayStation that game. <laughs> GameCube 2002, I believe. It's a very fun game. I played the shit out. I used to rent that like weekly from my local video game. I didn't even have a Blockbuster, but I went to my local video game store. But um, yeah, I mean, I think this is, you know, I don't know if it's going to be good or not, but at the very least, it's going to get a lot of attention in the beginning, if nothing else. Um, I believe it's being developed by Port Key Games, which is a yeah. Warner Brothers studio. Yeah, uh, it's, and, it, it, it's it something like that. Like Port Key Games is like, uh, as, as more of like a, yeah, publishers also, but the actual developer is Unbroken Studios, who's also making the Suicide Squad game that's in development, which also recently got oh, pushed back. that's getting a lot of flack. Yeah, that, that got one's got back. a lot of flack. Uh, and then also, they've made Fractured Lands, which is a Battle Royale game, and then Fantastic Plastic Squad, uh, which is a free-to-play mobile FPS. So I well, don't I'll know their what, games very Weird well. resume yeah, right there. And I don't know why they they got these guys to make the Quidditch game, so I'm a little skeptical based on the resume of uh, the studio, but we'll see. Yeah, that's interesting. They made Suicide Squad, Fractured Lands, Fantastic. Yeah. You know, that's... um, They just delayed the Kill the Justice League because it was such a... Like, it got such a bad reception. Do, on the do you know what demos. the reception was that? What the reception was? Because I saw it got Just that it, it looked like it was flag? shit. Oh. And everything was purple. Not that it looked uh. like shit, like visually. <laughs> well, maybe, but... Basically, the game, everyone just agreed this does not look fun. Um, except uh, one of the guys on IGN's game soup, I forget who off the top of my head. He seemed to be okay with it. Um, but Justin Davis. Justin Davis. He, he was very shocked by all that, which I thought was kind of funny. But that's either here nor there. I'm willing to bet, though, that this company is very quickly going to pivot resources now that this is publicly announced yep. from Suicide Squad into this Harry Potter game because... Suicide Squad's a very cool IP, um, and all that world is a very unique IP to work with, but a lot more mass appeal it's, for... It's not Harry Potter, Potter and not Harry Potter. especially bouncing off the success of Hogwarts Legacy and how much eyes that got and how many copies they sold. Like They want to like keep keep the uh, bag rolling with uh, the Squidditch game. Yeah. yeah. I, got a, I, got, I got a hot one for you guys. Do you think this game looks cool? I mean, I'll withhold judgment until yeah. I see any gameplay. Yeah, I, I at least okay. need to see uh, gameplay. So if I it feel ends up being good, like, then yeah, it's cool. <laughs> I, I'm ultra mega skeptical of this. This feels like... Do you guys remember when... Um, I think it was either Skyward Sword or Twilight Princess came out on the Wii. They released like a, a whole nother independent game that was just Link's bow training. It was literally a whole game and it was just like one central aspect of aiming your bow with the Wii remote as Link and they made a whole game about it. I do it. And not it just, remember this, this. Yeah. And like, you know, you could buy like, I think there was like a Wii remote bow attachment type thing. You can I remember the into. attachment, but I do not remember yeah, this. So, uh, setup so it was, uh, it was its own thing and it's weird because it just should have existed inside of whatever the Zelda game that was out at the time was. And I feel like that's probably, that's what this Quidditch stuff kind of feels like a little bit. Which it's I think like, is Twilight Princess. Are, 
did they like it, did they not put Quidditch in the Harry Potter game so that they could sell us on another full game that's, of Quidditch? That's what it seems like. That's what I feel like. That's right? exactly what like, it feels like. Why can't we just add whatever this is going to be? It probably would be more appropriate as DLC inside of the Harry Potter game. But I don't know. There's probably crazy limitations when it comes to the engine and multiplayer the, and stuff like that. But I don't know. Uh, it doesn't get me excited at all. We also don't know what the monetization policy will be for this game. So this very well could be a free-to-play game. So like maybe they, oh, then I'm really not excited. Yeah, they, they didn't want to like lump that in with a sixty seventy dollar purchase off the base game and let in game purchases uh, be the way uh, this game makes money. Well, it's really interesting though. <laughs> That's a very good point, Mickey. What's really interesting is weird and interesting is in so they're having you can register to potentially be a play tester, and in the registration form for it. They ask you for a bunch of different genres, how many hours of genres you've played to date. And yeah, total really? lifetime. Like how many hours of Battle Royales have you played? How many hours of um, what they're calling hero shooters like Apex or Team Fortress 2 have you played? How many hours of um, sports games, of looter shooters, of MOBAs, all that. Um uh, Wow. How many hours of Harry Potter games? This is one of the categories too, which they do include Quidditch World Cup there, I should mention. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just thought that was a really stupid question. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what that's supposed to tell you. Because I mean, I can appreciate trying to get a very diverse audience with like very diverse, you know, um, that play very diverse amounts of uh, games and have experience with the games. I think a better way to ask that would be, on average, over the last couple of years, how many hours of games do you play a week, would you say? Is probably a better way to gauge that rather than... I mean, I filled it out and I was just bullshitting it completely. I don't fucking know. Oh, yeah. Know. I definitely bullshit. Like, I put a thousand hours for two categories. Yeah. Like, no one is going to give... Barring someone only having played Steam games and going through their Steam library and literally looking at how many hours in each game, I don't really think anyone's going to get a very... You guys don't know how many hours of hero shooters you've put like, in? Uh, just specific number? That's weird. The, the, you know what's interesting is they considered like, Apex Legends a hero shooter, but not a, and not a battle royale. How is that not a battle? Oh, okay. I don't well, know. Yeah, the category list is all messed up. But um, anyway. anyways, neither here nor there with that. What I really wanted just to kind of that I thought was crazy to see on Twitter that I wanted to move on to was so as some of you may know, uh, right now Phase is currently a public company actually called Phase oh, Holdings. Right. They went public via a SPAC back in July 2022, where they were, after that, going public, they were valued at $750 million. Well, today, that stock is valued at $36.24 million. So, <laughs> I've, I've a very, following the story. A very, very large decrease, and to kind of make that number a bit more clear as far as like what that number looks like for the stock price. Um, when it's 52-week high... The stock's 52-week high was 24.69, and it currently sits at 49 cents. So, Whoa. yeah, it is Dang, just absolutely dude. plummeted. Yeah, so when they went live in July, um, it was at about ten dollars, twelve dollars around there, and shot up to as high as twenty in August. Had a little bit of fluctuation through August, all the way through September, and then once September hit, it just shot down, and it's just been on the going down ever since which is pretty 
pretty wild to see how much it's sunk. Um, I can't say I'm surprised because I don't think any esports company is even close to profitable. No. Um, and anyways, <laughs> there's been a lot of controversy as of late just around like the phase brand and like, is it even really phase anymore and things like that. Um, and recently phase banks, who are you two at all familiar with phase banks? I, I'm aware no. of phase banks. He's one of the owners of phase, um, Real just like OG gamer guy, tat yatted up. Um, oh, hell just yeah. looks looks like uh, I don't know. Like he looks like he plays Call of Duty. He looks like the kind of guy that was would it be twenty years old playing Call of Duty, yelling at you while yep. you're a twelve year old. I yep. don't know. How, that's the best yep. way I can describe yep. how he looks. Exactly. That is a um, great description. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, he recently tweeted out, and I quote: "IDK, what all these corporate fucks thinks they're doing." Weighing options, plotting, do whatever, doing whatever the fuck it is they've been doing. But the answer is very simple. Give us our brand back. You stole it in the first place. It goes to zero. Otherwise, you have no idea what phase is. And I got to say, so, well, Lucas, let me hear your first reactions. Phase banks didn't. Sorry, I, I'm a little. Um, I'm not up on my phase trivia, but phase banks is a phase like leader or the owner, owner. or former owner. Oh, owner. I think former owner. So because they, phase they banks, much sold it off. Like they still have some power, but uh, I forget what the parent company is now. Of okay, phase. okay. So phase banks basically releases ownership of the company in one form or another. It goes public and then he wants it back after the stock price has dropped. D yeah, he probably cashed out though, right? Some of the stuff he's claiming in the thread, people are being like, yo, this was like a transaction. What are you talking about? What theft? And he says, he claims, quote, my shares were legitimately stolen from me in 2016. I was written out of the company. They were only reinstated right before it was taken public. Point being, I legally haven't had any say in how this company operates or the decisions made for the majority of existence. Another thing... You guys hired these people in the first place. If anything, it's your fault. How is this happening? Claims they didn't. And then also initially claims that his shares um, were only reinstated at 1.5 years ago, which if that's the case is way more, way before it was taken public. So definitely could have had opportunity to, you know, push back on that a little bit at the very least. Um, and I don't know. I like, I saw this tweet and, you know, I can appreciate caring about a brand, you know, if, I mean, if TFP went public and it started going to the shitter after it went public, I'd be pretty upset too. But like, yeah, I don't know the sentiment. I, I feel like this is coming from someone that probably doesn't No, actually I, phase banks, despite how he carries himself, he's probably not an idiot. Like he's, he did build a huge brand and while he may not articulate it like someone with an MBA, he's probably very smart. So he should understand that you're a publicly traded company now. You, FaZe Banks, you literally, I don't know what his percentage of shares is. There's like 10 co-owners of FaZe, so there's it's probably not that high of a percentage of shares that he owns. But like him as a person, like, I don't know, this was just such an arrogant thing to say to me because the, at the end of the day, this is a publicly ran company now and they have an obligation to cut costs, to do whatever they think is going to squeeze out the prettiest penny for, you know, their public investors. So I don't know. I, I just thought this was such a fascinating thing. And I'm willing to also say that I, you know, admit that I maybe there's more I'm not seeing here. And if that's the case, you know, shoot us an email, thanks for playing pot at gmail.com. If there's more I should be understanding about this whole thing. But 
this is just such like a like a children throwing a fit because their big transaction didn't work out to me. <laughs> what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like if you, I, I, who knows about the, he sounds like he said my shares were legitimately stolen from me back in like 2016. I mean, anybody could just say that sort of thing on Twitter. I mean, we don't know the backstory there, but I don't know. If you take chips off the table, you lose your say. You you don't, I mean, does he still have, FaZe Banks doesn't have ownership of FaZe. So that's the end of the, that's the end of the story in terms of like, you know, how it, how it all goes down. You know, if he wanted to like stick with it and like, you know, shepherd the whole brand through whatever it should have been shepherded through in the last couple of years, then he never would have taken the chips off the table. But it sounds like he did at some point. Yeah. Um. So whether whether the shares got stolen, for whatever that means, like getting squeezed out shares, that's very unfortunate. That sounds like it sucks. Um. But we don't I mean, we're just looking at a Twitter thread, so we can't really understand the full story there, too. Yeah. Lot, lots to unravel there. And, you know, I mean. A company going public, I mean, there's so much behind the scenes that we'll never really understand a part of like ownership and they'll just be like, he said, she said. But yeah, I know. I just thought it was an interesting thing to look at, especially seeing as I think to my knowledge anyways, I think they're one of the only publicly owned gaming brands. To my knowledge, at least every other major American brand is at, privately at least, owned. At least esports. Yeah, they're, they're the only public one. Esports mm. team is what I'm. Esports slash content team. Yes, yeah, that's what the, I was getting the, at. They're they're like, not even 100 Thieves are public. Yeah. Not and, sure. you know, I got to think this serves as just a warning for every company to not go public for the foreseeable future. But, yeah, it, it, I'm just very interested to see how that saga plays out, what happens to the phase, and really if we ever see another company in the next 10 years even go public because scary times right now. But, yeah, let yeah. me let me know what you think about that in the Discord, folks. Awesome. Um, I got one for you guys, actually. I know it's not on the document here, okay. but this was a little bit of an interesting one. Um, have you guys heard of the company Nexon before? Nexon Mobile? Nexon. Come on. No. It's energy, right? No, 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 no. You're thinking of... <laughs> I'm thinking of I actually, Enron. You're thinking of Enron. <laughs> no, uh, no. Nexon... South Korean video game, Japanese South Korean Maple Story. Oh, I never Maple Story. Maple Cartwright. Story. Weren't you guys playing Cartrider like like a week ago or something? No, Eddie kept talking about it though. Okay, okay. So, um, Nexon is currently suing a studio called Iron Mace over their new game Dark and Darker. Oh, Have you guys yeah, heard of Dark yeah, and heard, Darker? I've heard the story. I've heard the story. Yeah, this was actually pretty crazy. So, Dark and Darker is this upcoming game that actually looks pretty sick. I could see us getting into it. It, it went into it's a sort of like beta a like a month and a half, two months ago. Yeah, and then it actually just got pulled off of Steam like a couple weeks ago because of this whole shenanigans going on right now. But to give you just a quick uh, pitch on it, Matt, uh, Dark and Darker is a first-person dungeon crawler battle royale hybrid in a dark medieval fantasy setting. So it's like a DayZ or like a Escape from Tarkov, um, but with classes. So you have fighters, barbarians, rogue, rangers, um, and you and the homies are all on this island, basically like surviving as the arena gets smaller and smaller. And like you get loot, you could bring that loot into a new match. But if you lose it, you permanently lose the loot. So it's kind of like roguelike in that in that way. Um, anyway, they were building it, and there was also a tentative title that Nexon had been developing called P3 internally. And um, Nexon, basically, which is actually a South Korean company. Um, has alleged that the developer Iron Mace of Darker and Darker actually took both project members off of P3 and assets from P3. And one thing that's interesting is um, this is a US-based lawsuit against Iron Mace, um, even though they're both 
South Korean uh, studios, Nexon and Iron Mace. And the whole thing is because the because Dark and Darker has been heavily marketed to a North American audience and the closed beta was through Steam, Steam basically, they're saying that that's the reason why they can file this as a US-based lawsuit. So it's coming from gamesindustry.biz, um, pretty pretty great site. And um, yeah, the game has been officially pulled off of Steam. Um, there's like comparisons that they're taking a look at between like, like one Dark and Darker wizard has a certain bag asset and book asset that look like the concept art of a P3 Nexon developed wizard character. So it's very, very nuanced. There's like, I'll probably link the article in the discord when we drop this episode on Thursday, but it sucks because I've been hearing really hype things about dark and darker. I don't know if you, Mickey, you said you had seen it, but I'm not sure if you had seen any dark and darker Wait, stuff. Yeah. I haven't actually seen any gameplay, but I, I know a lot about this story and how three was the original. Is that right? P3 is like the, I think it's the internal project name for Nexon's project. So okay. Nexon's developing something called P3. Some people get pulled off of that project to go work on the Iron Mace thing, which is dark and darker and steal some of those assets. And Iron Mace is claiming, no, we built this from the ground up using Unreal and handmade code. Um, I think they might be using some Unreal assets like, you know, store assets and things like that. But apparently they're fully developing a lot of their own assets as well. Uh, it's just interesting. I mean, it was enough to get this game taken off of Steam, you know? So it's, uh, you know, it's pretty, pretty heavy I, one. Um, this was, go ahead. I, I think it's mainly because this lawsuit is still ongoing. And so Steam just wants to like get their hands out of it. It's like, until you guys finish this conflict, like I'm going to take this game off of Steam. And yeah, from what I heard, cause I haven't looked into the story since like three, four weeks ago. Uh, when there's like start get, the stuff started getting public uh, is that a lot of the stuff that Nexon was trying to show as evidence that was just uh, was uh, Iron Mouse like Iron, reason, Iron, evidence yeah. for the steal yeah, an asset yeah, thing. Steal an asset is like these are just like shared files in the common Unreal Engine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I can from what I can tell. That's like, what's what going on. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I can't make a call on it per se because I, I like don't see the direct compare. There's only one uh, image in this uh, games industry article, um, but this is the most interesting part of it to me. Um, for their fifth beta playtest for Dark and Darker, there actually has been a grassroots distribution of the game via BitTorrent, like via torrents, basically. Mm. Um, so this is a GameSpot article that came out earlier this week. Fans will need to torrent Dark and Darker for its new playtest. And people have basically been getting around because since you can't get it on Steam, people have been getting around it by using torrent That's actually sites. crazy. I thought they had to halt development until this thing blows over. No, it was just enough to take the game off of Steam, I believe, okay. right now. Um, and this is pretty interesting, too. I saw this article um, earlier today, and I was literally this weekend just talking about Dark and Darker with somebody at a birthday party. And they were like, oh, it looks so sick. It looks really cool. This is like the new big game. And a lot of people have been getting excited about it, and there's like a lot of buzz. And then, bam, they just get hit by Maple Stories Studio <laughs> shutting them down, man. So just wanted to bring that to your guys' attention. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's a bummer when a game that looks cool just kind of gets legal. Shafted. <laughs> Shafted, legal sued, whatever. Yeah, and then also, uh, I know another one of the arguments was like uh, a lot of the art for the game was like very similar in which they hired the same exact artist to do both. And so like 
their art is doing, definitely going to look similar because it's coming from the same person. Yeah. <laughs> and then like trying to like draw a wizard, it's like there's only so many ways you can draw a wizard in this type of setting. Like it's they're going yeah, to look it's similar a, still. It's an interesting argument too, because I mean, even today, right, there's so many games that like look similar to each other, honestly, you know. And especially if a games are operating within the same engine, you know, at what point does one asset made in an engine that looks similar to another asset made in that same engine by a different company? Yeah. At what point is that actually like justify any legal, you know, we should have had Connor on for this too. At what point does that <laughs> just actually justify any legal pursuit? Obviously this is a little bit different because those people were there previously, but um, yeah, I'm going to be very interested to see how that one shakes out. But um, all right, Hot Mickey, what do you got for us today? All right, uh, short little thing I want to mention before I go into my main topic is I saw that more of the live action Lilo and Stitch cast was announced. That oh, movie, what? I didn't yeah, think you were making a live that, action. That, that, I didn't even know they were doing movie this. That is happening. Uh, apparently, uh, to be honest, People are like up in rage about the casting. Like, uh, not Lilo, uh, her sister. I forget what her sister's name is. Uh, but she's getting casted by like a pretty white girl, even though she is Hawaiian. She's like as white as Matt is. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Matt catching strays. Mickey, here, I literally am darker than you. <laughs> and we've talked about this before. Yes. But <laughs> at, wait, who's playing Stitch? We, we, we don't know that yet. But what okay. we got, the one that was the last straw for me was wasn't exactly a casting choice as uh uh more of a movie direction that they cut a character from the original they cut up agent bubbles the black guy wait who is it the black guy that what? Was like, they cut him they cut him from the new lilo and stitch yes Wait, let me look up Agent Bubbles now. I like, I completely forgot about Agent Bubbles. Oh my they, god, dude, Agent Bubbles was they sick. They fucking cut him, and I'm 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 livid that they cut him because the there's now a new uh, child protective service agent, and it's like some chick. I didn't even look at what the cast. Oh wait, it was like some like little bigger girl, but uh, white girl. Uh, I think she's in the, like her forties. I don't know. Uh, I only just glanced at it. I was just more. Did you guys? That was gone. Did you guys watch the Lilo and Stitch animated series? I did. That was a good that, show. That, that was, was a good, good show. show. That was legitimately a really mm-hmm. solid show. But um, I feel like Agent Bubbles was on that show as well. I think he was too. A bit, right? I'm pretty sure yeah. he was. Yeah. Dang yeah, man, I, this is a throwback. I, just, I, I forgot. I just want to vent my about frustration about that. All I'm yeah. gonna say is, it sucks to cut Mr. Bubbles, but. For anyone who is upset at this, don't be mad and don't give that actress hate. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. You can be mad at the casting. That's fine. But don't like flame this actress for taking a part in a movie that is a job. Yeah. Don't don't, don't, yeah. don't flame any of the actors. Like, yeah, everyone's got to make their money somehow. And <laughs> they got the way I see it is no one's going to be happy. Yeah. No one's ever going to be happy with these casting choices, no matter what. Like this little the little mermaid, the amount of hate that even the actress that's playing the new little live action little mermaid. It's like so unjustified. It, it's, it's crazy. Ridiculous. Like I never understand. And I like if you don't like it or you truly don't care for it, just keep your mouth don't shut and it. don't watch the movie. Watch it. It's that easy. <laughs> like there's no reason to go on Twitter or write a think piece about like how this this individual person who you've never met is like wrong in every way for such and such. Like, I don't know. It's it, 
yeah, I don't know. We can go down that rabbit hole, but uh, yeah, I, I already hear the horrible like comments that are going to come along with this casting choice and everything. Yep. And ultimately, you can just not watch the movie. Okay, but going to the main topic that I really wanted to talk about today was we all know Tears of the Kingdom about a month away. We on the pod are probably going to play it. We're super excited for it, but it is coming from Nintendo and they've had a history of like being overprotective with their IPs. Uh, It's happened a lot with Smash. It's happened a lot with their music a lot. Like they took down like almost all their music. It's so hard to get Nintendo music anywhere. Mm -hmm. It's just like off YouTube, off Spotify, whatever. They, They don't post it anywhere. You can't even buy the Nintendo music. But Anytime a big release is, is about to happen, they start taking down like pre- previous iterations of that game. So a lot of Breath of the Wild content creators on YouTube have been getting uh, their videos taken down or demonetized, whatever. And I wanted to go into Point Crow specifically, who uh, he recently in the last like month, two months, he's been doing like modded content at the game, making Breath of the Wild multiplayer. And these as far as i know they aren't publicly available for sale they they were just mods he commissioned himself so like he he can't uh spread them if he wanted to uh and he pretty much only did it to just like liven up the game and never advocated to uh pirate nintendo games whatsoever he just always used a copy of breath of the wild anyway nintendo ended up copyright checking uh, first taking down his videos, then copyright striking uh, videos in which and for YouTuber language, if you get a copyright strike, you get you only get three of those. If you ever have three copyright strikes live at the same time, your channel gets terminated in like 10 days, like a week, 10 days, and all of your content is gone. So, so Nintendo uh, grouped the, the four videos. Uh, they copyright struck, struck one on its own and then grouped the last three into an own group. So it's, he's got two copyright strikes on his channel. So it's pretty much, wow. it's pretty much, wow, we can give you another copyright check if we want at any time to take down a channel, like to stop. It's pretty much a big threat. And when they could have just looped all of the content under one copyright strike, uh, they, they split into two to make it even more dangerous for point Chrome. So, uh, he, Point Crow tried to make an appeal for this, and then he Nintendo ended up hitting 24 more videos, not just demonetized over. I forget they just took him down, and a lot of them was modded Breath of the Wild content. But there was like a Pokemon uh, video taken down, there's a Mario Odyssey video taken down, and then there was another Breath of the Wild back in like 2019 that video was released, and it was just a regular playthrough of the game, no mods, anything. It was just regular playthrough. It, it wasn't touched in any way and it, it still got taken down so it just comes to the question of like what videos are safe to make using nintendo ips so like for any content creator making like uh, are going to make tears of the kingdom videos like who who knows when nintendo will come after them because like on for legend of zelda specifically uh they have like a content policy saying like you can't stream this you can't do this blah 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 but nintendo also has an overarching content policy which does uh promote content creation videos made music fan art 
la da da, and they encourage it. And on their website, it literally says, in quotes, "We are humbled every day by your loyalty and passion for Nintendo's games, characters, and worlds, and respect that you want to be able to express yourself creatively by sharing your own original videos and images using content from our games." But then they are constantly attacking the creators that love their games so much, and like I'm, I'm with them too. Like I love Nintendo's games, but the what's so depressing about this is that it's not like the creators are the creators, the actual animators, the like sound artists that put their blood, sweat, and tears into these games. They're not the ones doing all these copyright checks. It's more of like the legal side of Nintendo and the like the more business side. Mm-hmm. So like the. It's not even like the. It's probably not like we we never know for sure because we don't have ears on yeah. the inside. L- Let me ask you. Sorry, Mickey. Uh, were you? No, no, no. no. Uh, that's, that's pretty much it. Um, I every time this comes up, and this comes up all the time, yeah. and I'll, I'll I'll back you up on this one. You know, I love Nintendo's games. Some of their legalities and practices are are disappointing at times. Um, you know, we come from obviously a modded Nintendo Smash Bros background where we all met with Project M mm-hmm. and. It was very, very sad when that got copyright struck or whatever the hell you call it. When when that went down, it, it, it was a, it was a cease and desist. Um, but PM never yeah, got yeah, that. Yeah, they just that. heard of a threat of it and shut into that, so they shut down yeah. preemptively. Yeah, that was that was sad, um, and I, it, it always made me sad to think about that kind of stuff. But um, from what I understand, or what the pattern always has been, is Nintendo is like happy about fan art or fans or loyalty, like they say on their site, but they really, really draw a hard line when it comes to modding their games. That's like where they're like, nope, we saw it. Doesn't even matter if you have a video where you're not modding the game. If you are a community member who has a history of modding the games, we're going to go after your content, your channel, your Twitch, whatever. Like, it seems like that's where they draw the line. Is that traditionally the fact pattern there, or is there? Um, no, is there stuff I'm uh, missing? Like there is more of a, it is a pattern, but it doesn't always follow the rule is the problem. Like they will go after channels for like they'll copy straight music when they're just playing the game. And like, right, right. Yeah. It, it, it's so problematic. And like, it's such a gray area. Like what is allowed and what isn't by Nintendo and your channel could just be in danger just for playing their game. Yeah, it is a it is a scary space to be in as like a, a content creator who mostly does like Nintendo stuff or Zelda stuff. You know, there's a this is interesting, Mickey. I, I see on my TikTok feed a lot of like super Mario modded Super Mario World like speedrun type stuff, or like um, there's a version of the game that people play of Super Mario World that's like Mario Maker, and um, that stuff's probably in the super danger zone of getting copyright probably. strike. I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Like this that. is the first time I'm hearing of it. Yeah, I, I'll I'll find it and, and send it over probably in the Discord for for this week's episode. But um, there's modded versions of Nintendo games that people are playing all the time, even for like speed runs, even for like you know, uh, like there's so many instances where like people are doing that kind of thing. Nintendo can't strike them all. I think if they could, they might want to. But I think they're always kind of towing that line where they're like, let's take a big person, let's shut it down, let's send a message. There's kind of a lot of that yeah. that always ends up happening, and it's always. It's always disappointing. This person was modding Breath of the Wild. It was Point Chrome. Yeah, Point Chrome. You said modding Breath of the Wild and doing. I saw like a multiplayer mod. Yes, there's a multiplayer. Breath Even of the Wild. yeah. So it was heavy modification of the game. So Nintendo, it, it, this popular YouTube channel, mm-hmm. Nintendo, you know, sending a message and stuff like that. But yeah, it's just it's it's disappointing. You know, it's it, clearly the person loves Breath of the Wild more than any of us do, and um, here they are, kind of getting getting struck down. 
So yeah, there's even another creator, uh, Croton, I think is how you pronounce his name. Uh, he had ten of his live streams and two videos just like taken off YouTube completely. It's not he, it's not even on his video dashboard anymore, and they were just regular playthrough of the games. And one was just him like uh, doing a self-imposed challenge, sort of like a nuzlocke you would do in Pokemon. Uh, mm -hmm. It was just that kind of thing, doing a Breath of the Wild, and that video got taken down. Like as far as I know, he wasn't using any mods for his. So there's precedent that they will hit other channels not doing mods. Dang. And it sucks. Like people just want to love Nintendo and all their games. And then there's just a big caveat where like <laughs> be prepared to get just like hit. Yeah. Just life <laughs> yeah, might <hit>. be ruined <laughs> if yeah. like you get on Nintendo's bad side essentially. Matt, what do you think? You know, I, I think, you know, it's interesting because maybe there are cases of this and I'm not aware of them, but my initial thoughts would be like, this is more so like maybe a cultural, like corporate Japanese thing. But I don't think like Sony studios are like this, right? Um, no, not as Capcom. As far as like I'm this. aware. Yeah, yeah, Capcom. You know. It's really, is it just Nintendo, which is interesting. I, I think it's a bummer because like obviously it's extending even past like modded content, which is a shame. And it seems like there is no clear cut line. And, you know, I, as sad as it is to say, I really doubt we're ever going to get Nintendo to relent on this. Oh, no, no. I, I have no hope that Nintendo's down. ever going to relent um, on this. So I would just say for anyone that is a content creator around this, you know, be honest that and accept the fact that unfortunately that's just the state of things right now and just understand the risk you're taking with your channel and your content if you make it and it kind of sucks that that's where we're at but that is where we're at so you know kind of makes me feel like we should probably go back and remove any zelda music we had in our zelda episodes but uh, <laughs> well, i don't think they're gonna be looking for all i I, anytime I think soon. i think we have a better shot of u.s lawmakers changing laws to fix this problem than Nintendo. Yeah. Actually well, I don't think we can. Uh, so here's my, I think go ahead, go under ahead. their laws, I mean, our laws right now, I, like I, Nintendo I, owns it. They can do whatever they want with the content. I, I mean, they don't have to, I don't, they know. should ethically maybe, but they don't legally have to give, I think even within our own system legally have to give us any right to use I, it. I, right? I personally don't know how the laws work or like if it, it's based on us IP uh, laws or if it's Japanese IP laws, but it, it's a really weird area. I I was just, just trying to make a joke that with how yeah. incompetent <laughs> I the know, US it'd be easier to push uh, how incompetent yeah. the yeah. US is with changing laws, especially with tech. You guys all saw how the TikTok <laughs> the yeah yeah the, the law thing went. God, yeah. <laughs> I um I think you know what it is is I think Nintendo like in a weird way uh they they have their like have they're trying to protect their IP, right? It's the same thing that Disney does where it's like, Hey, we take our characters, our IP, our, our, our content so seriously that we do not want people messing with it. And I get it. Like I get it from like a cultural standpoint, like a, a mission statement. That's what Nintendo's about. All that stuff. It keeps their brand strong. It, it's what's kept their characters so strong for so long, but to just set, to shut down, I, I think they might be going after a little bit of the wrong beast, shutting down a YouTuber who clearly has a lot of love for the game. I think there's quite a bit more nuance. Like if someone's modding Tears of the Kingdom to have like an M rating, 
and violence and like stuff that it's not really supposed to have in it or like real graphic stuff, by all yeah, means, shut I, it I down. It's interfering that. with your brand. Yeah. yeah, like it's interfering with your brand. But like, you know, Nintendo is going out and just kind of really bringing the hammer down wherever they can on stuff and saying that like all these mods are wrong. Every mod can be wrong. Every content creator can be wrong. And every use of our music is is inappropriately used and stuff. And I'm I'm not the biggest fan of it, but um, you can't deny that you know they have the ability legally to do it. It's just uh, it's a hard pill to swallow for sure. And I I think I I want to conclude with this is that any game company they all have the power to do this. This is how like strong IP laws are for the creators, the holders of these IPs. But most are generous. Like, imagine if Riot just like completely went darks out. Like, you guys can't use any of our content, and they would be in the right. Nobody can stop them. Like, yeah. we're just lucky. Most game companies are pro mod, pro sharing their stuff because they just see it as free advertisement, essentially. Exactly. Yeah, I must recognize that it is a. <laughs> I mean, it's just a good thing for them, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, interesting. We'll, you know. Maybe it'll change. Maybe it won't, but we'll be here to cover it. But all right, everyone, I think that is all we got for you today. Stick around till the end. Uh, we have a really cool interview going on with Connor Hume next. I want to contribute to share at the pod. Mentioned off the top, but we're discussing violence in video games. So without Very further excited. ado, everyone, enjoy the episode. All right, everyone. Hello. Hope you enjoyed that topical episode today. Uh, We got a very special interview to throw at you here with uh, Connor Hume. Connor is a good friend of mine from college and has also been helping out with the podcast recently as a contributor, writing up some really cool articles, particularly one that we already published on kind of the whole Microsoft Activision crazy that's going on with that and just kind of the legality around that from a, you know, market monopoly standpoint. And Connor is here today to give us a kind of a fun little lecture on uh, violence in video games and like what really basically kind of just does and doesn't go in games. So Connor, I'm very excited. The floor is yours, my friend. And uh, feel free if you want to give a little background about yourself and why like you're kind of qualified to talk about this, you know, let the people know what's up. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, qualified might be an overstatement for it, but no, I'm uh, currently on track <laughs> to be a lawyer uh, in the next, well, I mean, if everything goes right with the bar exam, uh, in the next couple months here, but right now in law school, making my way through and we practicing uh, forms of litigation a lot for uh, startup tech companies. Um, among them is a lot of First Amendment issues, which is one of the things we're going to be talking about where we have artistic expression and how that can or cannot be regulated. Awesome. I think a great starting point too for this is um, do you guys uh, w- when we talk about violence in video games, there's a really big one that comes up to mind. Do you guys remember the first Modern Warfare 2 game? A level called uh, No Russian. Uh, no oh, Russian. Yeah. Yep. I knew exactly famous, where you were going with that. Level. Yeah. Did you guys Everyone play the level? I oh, did. Yeah. I did. I should not have at that point. When you guys got that prompt to play or not play a level, did even for a second it register like, oh, maybe I shouldn't play this. <laughs> not at all not remotely i i got the how old were you guys when were you 13 i would have been 12 i was 13 for sure yeah that sounds yeah. about right and yeah i remember getting the prompt before when you boot up to the game it would give you the prompt actually before you even hit the menu right i remember just going like oh i now nah, I'm, I'm seeing what's going on here <laughs> yeah and Kinda, it's funny yeah. because like it was such a i don't know at the time it seemed like this oh my god this we're, shoot, we're shooting civilians. 
this, yeah. this, is, this is really violent. But I mean, I, I don't know. I, I went back and played it uh, maybe last year. No, it's it, no graphics are horrible. It's it, it doesn't even like resonate compared to things like, even like GTA. But they felt good at the time. They felt good at the time. Oh yeah, yeah. extremely. Yeah. Um, and when that uh, level came out, it actually came under a lot of fire for being too violent um, and allowing the players to take on too much of a violent role. Now, a more recent version of that. Have you guys heard of the game Active Shooter? Oh, is that that like kind of is that that extreme like kind of um, like exploitation type of game where it's like violent for violent sake or like insane for insanity's sake? To to a bit of an extent. So for those not familiar, the premise of the game is you can play in one of two roles, either as the shooter or as a member of the SWAT team. And effectively, the game works is if you're the shooter, you're in a school shooting up a school. Man. It's a game that's incredibly violent, and it was like you were describing violent for violence' sake. So it brings into topic a pretty relevant conversation point, which is how violent can games actually get? Especially as we see graphics improving and we see the implementation of things like VR, which put you really yeah. in the world. Mm-hmm. So I gotta say really quickly before we continue, yeah. I hadn't heard of Active Shooter, so I just did a quick Google and. I forgot to put active shooter game in my Google search. <laughs> it was just a very depressing reminder of the current state of America with how many news things came up. But um, please continue, Connor. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it, basically what happens a, it, a lot of the time when it comes to free speech concepts, whether it's in the form of video games or really any form of free speech, you have this starting point, this great idea of, hey, let's all talk about what we want to talk about. No one should regulate that. And then people start pushing the line more and more and more. And eventually what happens when you push it too far, you get regulation. Regulation either through the government or through self-regulation. The ESRB. Now, exactly. The ESRB would be a great example. Um, and However, even with that, California tried to regulate this back in 2011. They actually passed a law that would ban the sale of violent video games to minors. The, Don't we technically have that on the books now, though? Because like, I my eight year old niece can't walk into GameStop and buy the new Call of Duty. So you're going through the exact same thought process <laughs> the Supreme Court had when they saw this case come up <laughs> through direction. <laughs> so basically, the concept of the the law was there would be this ban on selling it to anyone under a certain age without parental consent, and if you did engage in such a uh, action as selling it to the minor, the company itself could be fined for that hmm. so what happens is uh the entertainment most merchants association just an organization supporting uh video games in some form petition this all the way to the supreme court and this is really the only this only case the supreme court has heard about violence in video games which is actually a lot of fun when you hear a bunch of people over the age of 50 who've probably never touched a controller in their life try to explain the artistic value of video games yeah now, what they talked about a lot in the opinion, and this goes into a lot about what the limit could be for video games, is they talk about how video games are really just another form of art. And because they're another, another form of art, art can be violent. We were told um, Aesop's fables from when we were young, those are violent inherently. Yeah. And they almost described it as like a for better or worse 
a lot of what we were exposed to here in America is violent and that's okay. And so there's a general almost acceptance when it comes to being exposed to violence. However, one of the points where they draw a bit of a divergence point is whether or not video games, because they're so immersive, classify as a different form of art. Because it's not just observing or reading, it's you actually taking the action. Now, I'm curious from your guys' perspective, what do you think when you hear that? Uh, I'll, I'll jump in first. So, you know, a little bit of my background as, you know, listeners of the, the pod know, you know, I have a film background and, you know, studied it in college and stuff. And there's, this has been going on for years and years in, in entertainment at large, right? And movies, TV shows, it's like every 15 or 20 years, there's some sort of panic about violence in media, right? And then, you know, there's some sort of change that comes along and then the envelopes get pushed and then something happens, um, you know, that makes people take a look at movies or now video games. Um, now, when I think about it, I mean, video games are so large as a medium, it feels so strange to like categorize like video games themselves as um, immer so immersive that they can create more violence than, say, a movie. Like, if you have, I mean, think of something like a Tetris or something like a Zelda or something like an active shooter game, right? Those are all so different. They're all games. But to say that, like, because the immersion aspect is like creating a little bit more of like a violent tendency for somebody, I just think it's a, I don't know, it's a strange leap. And I, I just don't think that link is proven at this point. Um, like, something, a violent TV show or a violent book, you can make an argument that those are just as, you know, in like, bad for society because of other reasons. Books take place in your head. So now you could imagine the worst atrocities. You don't have to see it. And like, you can make an argument that books actually have a stronger pull on culture and society than the video game can. So I don't know. I'm just not buying it so much at this point. <laughs> what about you, Matt? <clears throat> yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because one of the things that do make video games so great is the fact that they are so immersive and it's truly one of the only art forms that you get to engage with, you know, barring like the occasional type of Netflix show that comes out like Bandersnatch where it, you know, is interactive. And at that point, is it even a TV show or is it a game? Um, I guess I'll, I'll just say I understand the argument to Lucas's point. Maybe, maybe Connor, you can correct us if I'm wrong. I don't think there's any proven link that, engaging in violent video games increases violent tendencies. However, you know, I mean, if there's a genuine argument against that with like data behind it, I'm open to that, but I'd be hesitant to say all the kids that played that level, you know, if someone became violent person or not later in life, I'd be hesitant to say if like, whether that call of duty level or another game, whatever that may be was truly the catalyst for that. And, you know, to that point, too, right? I mean, like, I don't know about you, but my neighbors and I, we all watched WWE growing up and had fun with that. And I promise you, we were very dangerously and not in a good way <laughs> trying all those moves on each other and definitely hurting each other. So, yeah. like, is, should that be banned? Should yeah. tackle football be banned? Because, you know, concussions, like, where where is that? Jackass. And I had a lot of friends. Yeah, and I had a lot of friends in elementary yeah. school that would just recreate stunts from Jackass, <laughs> just like yeah. extremely stupid, and that was never banned, you know. So you guys are absolutely right in what you're talking about, and that's kind of where the majority came down on a lot of this issue. Was like there really isn't any evidence to show that video games are particularly worse. Like, yeah, sure, there's an immersion factor, but 
it's kind of on the parents to just you know be a parent especially when it comes to my like, yes yeah, so, yeah. Let the play, to play the game i mean be cautious of it there's not a there there wasn't such a critical issue about how video games were particularly more problematic in this area but the reason why i bring this up is now the majority found the law unconstitutional got rid of it um and we sell the current situation you work game stores are cautious about selling to minors but there's really nothing that legally prohibits them however why this is important is this opinion was written by justice scalia and since 2011 the court's composition has changed dramatically two of the dissenting votes on that opinion are still on the court scalia's who was the majority is no longer on the court and replaced by someone who considers himself what they call a true true originalist which is like the other some of the other dissenters and with the addition of justice kavanaugh and justice barrett it's very possible you could see this kind of conclusion about video games be changed in the future hmm. now there's no guarantee of it a case has to come its way but the court's comp- composition is so different now than what it was when that opinion came out so you're that telling me good. connor that kavanaugh and his goons could <laughs> could look at smash brothers ultimate and see mario dunking on princess peach and being like boys this game's out of here that's encouraging violence against women not saying that that, that would probably be a little- <laughs> <laughs> connor's keeping us on track here man connor i got a i got a quick question for you actually in in yeah. line with this so i know that there's there's other countries all over the world um i know australia is very strict on violence in video games and i think there's even been some call of duties that have been outright banned or i think all of them might be um in some other areas i know you're you're not internationally you're not an international law student but in terms of like um i guess the opinions that kind of form do do we like how far are we in terms of behind our head in terms of expression and free speech rights and things like that like are we are we really ahead of the curve are we as free as we think we are when it comes to violence in media or do where are we at globally with that do you have any sort of reference when it comes to violence in media it's actually kind of remarkable it's remarkable to me i mean maybe it's not to everyone else it's remarkable how violent things can get Specifically because there's a lot of categories of restricted speech. We're going to get into those in a second. Violence really isn't a big one for it. Like the kind of stuff that you're allowed to see because it's violent, but the things you can't see because there's nudity involved. Right. Is kind of absurd. And especially in history of the United States, there's always been a tendency to just let violent things be as it relates to the international scope no I, I don't know exactly how it connects to every single nation maybe there are some that have much more lenient laws but i would definitely put america on the, the far more progressive <laughs> side of the what's yeah like. yeah americans are more interested in seeing a body blow up than seeing a body in its natural state which is kind of crazy <laughs> exactly and i think that's a perfect segue into the first reg- restriction area which is called obscenity now, obscenity is exactly what the state of California tried to use to justify their rule banning video ga- violent video games, where obscenity is something that appeals to what's called a prurient interest. And I'll get to that part in a second. And, the, and that it also, the artistic product as a, or whatever product is as a whole has to lack any serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. So this rule was used primarily for porn. 
Right. And for a long time in the U.S., pornography wasn't allowed in some areas. It got so humorously bad at a point. There's this great article by a Supreme Court clerk who talks about how on Friday afternoons, when they had porn cases come up to the Supreme Court, all the justices would gather in a room together and watch porn together. They would watch porn (laughs) and determine when something just got a little bit too obscene. Now, different justices had different standards for what this was. So for some, it'd be like, the second they see a penis, nope, it's out of the picture. Or an erect penis, no, that one was the problem. So, (laughs) and what makes this better, too, is one of the justices at this time was blind. So oh, oh. he's not actually able to watch this. So that implies that somebody in that room was just had to explain what was going on. Wow. Uh, but that, that's a funny side detail on this concept. But so this obscenity concept is what they tried to push through. And instead of taking the nature that like it's sexually graphic or pornographic in nature, they use violence instead. And the prurient interest refers to um, someone's like deep inner dark side, I guess the best way to put it. Hmm. So the court said that violence on its own isn't obscene. It does have to include something more. So a very common idea of what is regulatable here is child pornography. We want that regulated. We do not want the violence that comes from that and the results of that kind of criminal enterprise going around. So it's completely regulated by the government, hands down. So that'll bring us up to the first like hypothetical point. What would you guys say? Can a game like this be regulated? A game that involves you committing sexual violence against others. Mm. Wait, are you sorry? Was that a question? Yeah. Yeah, he's asked. Yeah, I'd say that can be real. Like basically a game that would play out like a rape scenario or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I've never seen that in a game before. Um, I'm going to say because we've played a lot of games. I'm going to say because we haven't seen that, it's probably very easily going to get regulated if it that was the question right yeah regulable yeah i would say that's very regulated yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> regulatable <laughs> should be regulated is regulatable. regulated yeah yeah all right so that's so i we have that idea if a game is just about purely committing sexual violence is regulable what if there's a single instance or scene in the game where it happens where you mm. as a character have the option to engage in this Man. You know what's interesting too, because I know the question you just framed it as like you can engage in or not too, but it also comes into question like how is the game framing that instance? Is it the game intentionally framing it as being like an awful thing, or is it encouraging you to engage in it? Like in this case, it might be, but um, I'm still gonna say I, I would feel like that game would be subject to some harsh regulation if it had. You know what's crazy, man? I <laughs> to be clear sexual violence is terrible we aren't even like batting our eyes still at the modern warfare 2 level where we kill civilians yeah true true <laughs> that is oh, we're, we're gonna get back so, to that one don't yeah, you yeah. so like, I, have a, I have a question connor so are you referring to regulating it from a non-esrb standpoint like regulating it from a government legal standpoint because the esrb is yep. a self-regulated yeah okay so um so i i mean i guess when it comes to that sort of thing like it would I would default to probably thinking about it from a sanity point of view. And if it's not providing any sort of like artistic or like value for any artistic reason, I guess, or like political reason, then maybe it's really doesn't have a place 
um, and should be regulated. Like, I don't know if there's a video game where that sort of where there's some sexual violence happening for no reason at all, other than like, you know, just to see it happen. But if it's happening because a villain is doing it or like the hero, I don't know, it's part of a story, the story in some sort of way. I know it's a very loose way of thinking about it, but that's the only way I could see it actually making sense and feeling like it shouldn't be regulated in that regard. Yeah, and I mean, the way you said, like, well, it depends how it's framed and what, what else is going on, if there's any other value in it. Well, what's crazy enough, too, is a lot of pornography back when they were doing these harsher obscenity rules, they would, no joke, have during the middle of whatever orgy or whatever it was was going on, <laughs> they would have some person come out and just provide some scientific or some political or some literary fact. Oh, wow. To make it acceptable. And so when, we t when you hear that small thing makes it okay. It becomes highly likely that a game that even almost went exclusively into such a really horrible role-playing situation would probably still be okay under the current rules. Or at least the way they're structured now. What's well, like one example, Connor, I can think of of like where they could pull like, oh, this has like artistic value or whatever to like justify it, if anything. Like how like are they quoting Hamlet mid mid scene or what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You give a little fact about some painter. I mean, there's yeah. there's been significant surprising things that are okay because as long as it has some value to it, it usually is acceptable. Now keep in mind this was the older standard, you don't really see obscenity cases coming up in front of the court too much nowadays. However, the reason why we're, we're talking about this one specifically is that as it relates to VR, that's a very real idea that porn studios and porn game makers could very well get into. Because that's like already kind of a thing, I think, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that that is one of those things that could probably spark a regulation. Now, as it currently stands, it's probably okay, as horrible as it is, but it could become something that triggers a lot more regulation, especially when we're talking about this. Oh yeah, because when you hear it, it like sparks like almost a guttural reaction. Like, oh, that's kind of fucked. I don't yeah, know if I like yeah. that. No, this is gonna get. And by the way, Matt, we definitely need to put a trigger warning on this whole second of the episode, yeah. just thinking about this stuff. Yeah. I know, um, Connor, you had put it in your notes here, but no, I mean, I, Connor, I think you're on the right track. It's like, you know, we're already kind of seeing these really like horrible conversations that we have to have about like real dolls, real doll sex dolls that are basically like framed to be underage, like people, you know? And like, is that a victimless crime? And can we do that? And should it be allowed? like, those are some conversations that people are legitimately having in this day and age. And it's freaking, it's wild and disgusting and like crazy that we have to have these conversations at all. But in the AR, like VR space, that's going to become even more common now because now people are going to use like AR VR spaces to justify, you know, certain really borderline illegal or morally reprehensible, you know, sexual like things. And yeah, I mean, I think it's probably going to trigger a ton of regulation in the future now that you're saying it. Exactly. And transitioning to what you were talking about a second ago, like how we just kind of walked over the no Russian level where you're literally shooting up an airport. We had the conversation a little bit how does this kind of thing lead to violence? And that's actually one of the other categories of regulation called uh, incitement, 
where if something is directed at producing or inciting imminent lawless action and likely to incite such action, that kind of thing can be regulatable. Now, we've already decided that for the most part, like the at least no Russian is probably not the level of incitement because we were talking about likely no one's going to go out and incite such action or violent action from it. But there, what about a video game like this? A video game that takes real life people in real life scenarios. Let's say it's politicians, for example. And you have Google Earth style um, almost mapping of like, where they live or where they work or anything like that. And you get to go in and assassinate these individuals. And you have a little red X as the people get crossed off. And we'll just say for argument's <laughs> sake too, that this video game keeps an up-to-date status of who is alive and who isn't on their assassination hit list. Should that be regulatable? So we're talking about a literal game that like would have like a virtual, you know, president, their cabinet, secretary, all those people, congressman, congresswoman, whatever. And like all virtual versions of them, to be clear, but like they're using them by name. They're using their likeness. They're potentially using their actual, I don't know, GPS coordinates or whatever, where they live and how, I mean, I feel like that'd be a question of how that's obtained to begin with. <laughs> but um, I guess to answer your question, Particularly, you know, I mean, you tell me Kavanaugh sees himself in that game. He's not going to shit bricks and any of them that, for that matter. That um, I mean, right now, legally, you cannot say. Can I say it? Can I say the whole like, you know, I'm going to kill the president of the United States. Can I I can't say that. Can I say that, Connor, legally speaking, that, if I'm saying that's, that's, if I'm saying that I can't say it. That's different than the incitement <laughs> concept you're trying to go into. So incitement okay. would require you like getting others to try and commit acts of violence. Okay. So the game developer, okay. for example, would be the one at issue here. Uh, no, there, there was some statutes about whether or not you could threaten a president. I forget where those stand right now. Yeah, so I, I cannot say something like, and I'm saying this for the podcast, so please, nobody click uh, this. You're fine. I would, be, sort of weird, uh, I would yeah. be amazed if a federal okay. agent was interested in this. Okay, okay. So there, you can't say things like, I'm going to kill the president of the United States. You can't say things like, I'm going to kill a Supreme Court justice on this. Like, you can't like say these things. Those are like actual protected like phrases that you get in trouble for. So this well, is, I feel up, like, would be an up, extension actually. of that phrase. There's definitely, even if they aren't using their likeness, there's definitely been other movies or games where they have those phrases played out, right? Like, ever, oh, like yeah, a, a fake president, you know, definitely, someone's definitely said, oh, we're going to kill the president, right? Like, that's not a crazy thing to be said in a, a video game, right? Um, I mean, even think like movies, right? Like the fucking Hunger Games, like, we got to kill President Snow. Like, I don't know. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Ooh, can of worms, Connor. This is yeah, no, Connor. This is a huge can of worms. I I feel that the great the game that you hypothetically described would probably fall under for me a category like that where you're kind of creating very specific specifics about something you're doing. Ah, but is it an incitement? I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I man. feel like it might <laughs> be incitement just because they are using like the assuming they're using specific likeness. You know, I think that would. I'd imagine that makes it fall under incitement. Connor, is that accurate? Yeah. So 
it probably does fall under incitement. Is it stuff you were talking about, like these uh, threats to like kill other people? Generally, it's actually not. You're not going to get criminally prosecuted for this kind of stuff. Like you can say really fucking horrible things and get away with it, as long as like, for example, criminal threat. There actually has to be like a lot of things. One of them being sustained fear on the person who hears the threat. I mean, most people are not going to feel threatened by what we're saying on a video game related podcast. So that kind of stuff doesn't really come up. But yes, in the incitement instance, there's actually a really fascinating case where you had this website that had actually abortion doctors on it. And it was functioning as a hitman website where people would literally cross off oh, wow. the doctors as they were killed. Now, it is not telling people go out and kill these people. But this website oh. was allowed to be regulated because it basically incited violence and it almost encouraged it. So that sort of thing that's encouraging acts of violence and likely to incite it such as something like this where you take it especially into that immersive element and you're almost providing like a training ground yeah it's very possible that that would be susceptible to an incitement level of regulation so we're taught so we have this idea of incitement but what about if we go back to the fake things and fake people and things that aren't real or what if we take it a step in a different direction let's say it's animals a video game where you exclusively kill animals like I'm yeah, talking for some reason that's mutilated. why is that uh, yeah why is that rub me the wrong way why does that make me so upset and like the no Russian level is not making me upset I don't understand this it's so weird it's like change the no Russian level to dogs you go to like cats? a pound dude yeah it'd be like over yeah, oh my yeah why are we so okay with violence against people this should not be we should not be okay with that yet we are. I'm going to say that would... Sorry, Connor. <laughs> looking no, at no, me. let's hear you guys the answer. No, you're <laughs> absolutely right about that. This is all how everyone feels about this. I'm going to say that... That would be... Oh, fuck. It might not be because, like, there's definitely, like, there's been Call of Duty games I've played where in the story, like, you have to fight off... Granted, they're attacking you, but you have to fight off dogs. Um, I'll, I'll make it more clear-cut for you. In this game, you will literally step on puppies or kittens with really big shoes that crush them. Oh. I gotta think that would be. I gotta hope that would be regulated. I'm, I'm gonna say. <laughs> I'm gonna say that that is regulatable. And it would feel that way, wouldn't it? Oh, uh, it's not. Uh, no. That's free speech. That's covered. You want to know something crazy? So, I mean, it wasn't in a video game form, but it was in a. There was this whole category of things called crush videos. And there's a case called Stevens in the late 2000s that came up to the Supreme Court on this issue. And the videos were literally of people, for sexually fetishized related reasons, crushing animals with like stilettos. Oh my god. And it is disgusting Jesus. and revolting to read about. But the court said it's free speech. Wait, but are they <sighs> killing these animals or Yeah. That's is, free speech. Wait, isn't animal that cruelty must be illegal? Animal isn't, cruelty. Yeah, right? isn't animal cruelty illegal? That must be illegal. No, 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 sure, sure. There, there, but there's a difference here between the actual act of the animal cruelty versus the publishing the videos of it. Oh, and Jesus. so they can everyone. charge them on pub they can charge them on animal cruelty if they know who that is in the video, but they cannot legally charge them or charge a publisher for publishing the video. We have no laws against the publication of animal cruelty on the books, but we have laws against animal cruelty itself. There may be there may be laws now on the publication issue too, but the the specific thing at issue here with these actual video was this law that was targeting these videos, and they found the law was unconstitutional because it violated free speech protection. Jeez. Wow. 
and there's dozens of instances where you hear these absurd fact patterns that are just so extreme. Um, another big one was uh, this case called Snyder v. Phelps, where protesters were protesting outside funerals of military veterans. You may, you may be familiar mm, with Westboro this, Baptist with Church. Westboro yeah. Baptist Church with yeah. the most fucked up signs they could do. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was also terrible. free speech and it was protected. So there is a lot you can get away with. The question is going to be, and that kind of covers like a lot of the hypotheticals we can go through on this, but the question is going to be, how will that change in the future, especially? And I think the catalyst to all this is going to be the VR side of it, because that immersion issue was one of the bigger talking points in the original case that came up to the Supreme Court. And yeah, that's yeah, that's interesting, too, because obviously VR technology is improving. But like, I feel I think we're probably still. Honestly, I think 10 to somewhere in the 10 to 20 year range up before we even see anything close to like widespread adoption of everyone having a VR headset in the same way they have a console in their homes right now. I think we're still pretty far off from that point because the technology it's good, but like, it's not incredible. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm very interested to see how that's gonna play out. I mean, shit, Connor, I'm still blown away by the, it, it being legal to post those videos. I mean, kind of, kind of reminds you the constitution's mm-hmm. a pretty old document, huh? <laughs> well, it's, I think the, the interesting, it's like the technology is moving so much faster than the laws can accommodate for. Right. And that's always kind of been a, a tough thing. And now it's like stuff is moving so fast. I mean, have we even addressed things like deep fakes? Like, I mean, legally Supreme court wise, like things like deep fakes, like these weird sex dolls that now like companies are making that are like hyper-realistic video games and AR, VR, and things like that. Those things are going to drive so many laws in the near future just because like, and now even like voice bots and like learning language models kind of developing those, like we're just going to see some weird stuff come up because humans are depraved and crazy and weird. And they're going to come up with what they're going to take their depravity and post it onto whatever the next technology front is. And if it's a video game, if it's AR, if it's VR, it's it's going to look bad. Connor, let me run a hypothetical by you right now on the topic yeah. of deep fakes. Not really even gaming related, but we have talked about the use of deep fakes on this podcast a bit. Um, I mean, if someone used like a made a deep fake of like a really like let's just say a really popular celebrity and made a deep fake of them committing like a horrible act of violence or like some crazy like you know, sexual, like rape pornography. Um, would that be something that could be like mandated to be taken off? Or is that something that is currently protected under the free speech? As far as I'm aware, the deep fake issue itself actually hasn't made its way very far in the courts. I mean, there has been laws really? that definitely yeah. regulate it. Um, and the law, the, what happens is you'll have the laws that regulate it and then it'll be court tested. And then the court test will really basically determine whether or not this stays um and you have laws that regulate it to some extent that i'm somewhat aware of you make a fair point though it because the argument that comes to my mind is this concept of like a defamation or a slander sort of thing or you're just right. using someone's name image and likeness mm-hmm. in a way they're not really approving of and it i the way i'd see it going is that you would be protecting the individuals most likely to some extent you give less protections to celebrities or people with 
more higher stature, but and if that if it carries the course of all other free speech related stuff to people, but otherwise, yeah, it's gonna probably be somewhat regulatable to an extent. Dang, crazy stuff. Well, all right, Connor, thank you so much for the time. You gave us a lot to think about. This is uh, yeah, this has <laughs> been one of the more like nuanced conversations that we've had on this show yeah. for for a while. And I, I mean, of course, Connor, you're coming from like a legal aspect, and it's filled with things like this. So, um. Certainly, hopefully our audience can listen to some of this stuff and figure out where they land on some of this kind of stuff. Because I think that's that's one of my big takeaways from this conversation is like, you know, why why do we accept certain things and not accept certain things? What are things that are like universally abhorrent, you know, <laughs> and like not not right? Um, and how do we regulate those things in our new spaces? Yeah, I also got to appreciate the first time I'm on this podcast. We're talking about some really fucking obscene stuff. Like, yeah, 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 seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, I'll, I'll be lucky to get an invite to come back. You came, straight. you came out swinging, man. This is a this is yeah. a big topic that you wanted to cover here. And um, all right, last question for you, Connor, because we didn't ask at the beginning, but it's important we do ask. What's your favorite video game? Oof, you know, I was. I haven't played video games for a long, for like a long time in college, just because I was like focused on school and then the law school. But I recently just got an Xbox, and the first thing I downloaded was uh, the Arkham games. Those things were my oh, favorite Batman Arkham. Up. Yeah. yeah, those I'm are good. Really those are good. Them. Yeah, love it. All right, Connor. Well, if you want to be found online, where can the people find you? Well, uh, there's an Instagram that would be at Conhue. I guess you can follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, boost my uh, connections up there we'll find that yeah. uh, and some endorsements. Probably, probably the best place is uh, the TFP website um, where you can catch more of uh, these articles more in-depth positions on this kind of stuff uh, in the future with other law and video game intersections yep I love it yeah, and everyone that is thanks for playing live you can go there and check out all of our written content including a really awesome article Connor wrote up on the Microsoft uh, acquisition of Activision Blizzard which is still very relevant because who knows where that is going to land, but cool. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for listening and thank you Connor for joining. Catch you next time. Scooby-Doo-Bop! Thanks for playing as a production of Good Ideas Only. Your hosts are Lucas Luna and Matt Rockaby. Our music was done by the impeccable Samuel Luna. And our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Roll Call Bunch, Red Circle, 